2: This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers. We could not do without you. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber today, it's very simple. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway. throw a dollar at our face. If you're a listener of every week and you go, hey, uh, this, this show's pretty good for free, you could support us for a dollar. Really be appreciative of that. And also, we did a team-up with iPlay America, and we were giving away two tickets to a Zuccarella meetup, but we have to announce the winner now. It is at Danny Meets World on Twitter. If you want to give her a follow, she is a big Ranger fan and will be sending her to meet Zuccarello, maybe for the last time as a Ranger ever. A sad, sad story indeed. Anyway, here's today's show, Uh, two guests and some Ranger nonsense as always. Here we go. Hey, Bush Rebecca fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushish Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. As always, Greg, say howdy.
3: I'm not 100% convinced this one's actually going to record, but sure. Hey, what's up?
2: What's oh, yeah, up? good. Uh, finally broke tradition there. Nice. Thanks, thanks for coming. Uh, that's because
3: a- I'm breaking tradition because I'm sure we're going to have to do it again. Yeah, so just full disclosure for everyone listening.
2: like We're pretty positive none of this is going to actually make it. So that's good. Uh, we're on a Super Bowl Monday, both of you and I are very tired boys, and, uh, we're here Mm. to talk about the New York Rangers and what's happened with the team over the past league, if anything, really. Let's quickly review some of the games that happened, uh, shall we? Uh, we played the Flyers, we lost six straight to them, that's pretty nice, good on us, Mm. uh, they they shut us out despite us absolutely dominating the game and probably missing the net, I don't know, 97 times? 94, let's go with tradition. Uh, after that... We ended up, oh, you went to the game on Saturday, which is uh, the game after the Devils game, which was the Tampa Bay game, and we lost that game in stunning fashion after the Tampa Bay De- uh, Tampa Devils, Tampa Bay Lightning, went up 3-0, uh, then we went we fought back, Kevin Hayes and Zuccarello scored, say goodbye to those friends very soon, and in the middle of those games, we played the New Jersey Devils, where Mika Zivinajad proved that the Derek Broussard trade was an absolute heist. We, the Rangers in general, keep competing, uh, keep winning uh, in weird situations, and... Honestly, it's all coming to a halt very soon, because we are 20 days away from the trade deadline at this point, as of this recording. Am I correct in saying that?
3: I believe that math is correct.
2: I'm a good math guy. Uh, there's a lot we should go through, but I guess the thing we should talk about first is Mika Zabinajad and, and how he's literally untouchable, right? Uh, just There's no way we could trade him, and he is going to be part of the future of the New York Rangers at all costs.
3: Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to trade him. I, earlier in the season, there were discussions of... Do you trade Zabinijad? Is it safer to trade Zabinijad because he's locked up? Could you get more for Zabinijad than you could anyone else because of his contract? Yes, theoretically, you could get more for Mika Zabinijad because of his contract, but this is a guy who has proven to be, this season, a clear-cut through and through first-line center, and you're paying him below market value, and he's locked up long-term in the prime of his career. There is a very limited circumstance in which I would even entertain a Mika Zabinajad trade. And let me put it this way, Ryan, there is no other team that will come close to the price it would take to get Mika Zibinejad. If we did a, um, a Bill Simmons esque trade value column, Mika Zabinajad has to be one of the 50 most valuable trade assets in the league. I'd argue probably one of the 20 most valuable. I was going to go 25. So I think we're on the same page. Yeah, because he's, again, a top line center being paid like a, like not a top line center under term in the prime of his career. There's very few people that I would trade him for. Hey, it's a short list.
2: He'll be a cornerstone of this team for uh, the rest of his contract. And hey, maybe we even extend him. Who knows at this point what's happening with the rebuild. There also was the Flyers game where, you uh, the backup goalies just. Goalies that just don't matter will always shut out the Rangers. I just don't know what happens. It's just a tradition like unlike any other. Can we just name the Ranger traditions real quick? Backup goalies destroying us. Mm-hmm. Former Rangers scoring on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess losing to the Islanders of Barclays, which we broke this year. But uh, are, those, are those our big traditions? Am I missing any there? Uh, doing the Potfin uh, Sucks chant, which people love, I know. Ugh,
3: I hate the Potfin Sucks chant. You, I right made it, an analogy to Potvin Sucks chant on Twitter the other day that I I think is... The whole reason why I just can't wrap my head around it. I, I, I'm first of all, I'm sick of it. But just imagine for a second, Ryan, you're mm-hmm. a you're a New York Mets fan. You know New York Met fans. You talk to one every week. <laughs> I unfortunately imagine do, yes. imagine if for some reason in the year 2019 during a Mets Arizona Diamondbacks game, Mets fans just decided to chant Larry nonstop in honor of Chipper Jones. Would it make any sense? No. Would you enjoy it? No. Would people people would be like, the fuck are we doing? What's happening here? That's the Potvin sucks chant. It, uh, why, I, why are we chanting Potvin sucks when the fucking Tampa Bay Lightning are in town? Who gives a
2: shit? We've got over this before uh, many a time. It just feels like it's time for something new. The Lightning are, uh, you know, I, there's no reason for me to be saying that for the Lightning. Ryan McDonough Ryan Callahan are on that team and former Rangers. I have,
3: I have a lot of opinions about the fan behavior of some in the Madison Square Garden crowd on Saturday. Night. Why wait? I, who the fuck is booing Ryan McDonough? Why? What the fuck did Ryan McDonough do? All Ryan
2: McDonough wanted to do was stay here and play the rest of his career as a New York Ranger. And we were like, no, you have to go play on the best team in the league. I'm so sorry.
3: The only thing I can think of is I think there are some people in the crowd who thought McDonough scored the first goal or something to that nature. So maybe they were giving him a respectable boo. But as it was happening, I looked around my section and said out loud, the fuck are we booing Ryan McDonough for?
2: Yeah, there's no reason. I get that
3: some people I want I get that some people and the ladies sitting next to me included have gripes about his captaincy, about how he wasn't the, the vocal captain he was that also Ranger vin- fans wanted him to be.
2: We've kind of had this conversation about Brian Leach before. He's but he's very vanilla ice cream.
3: Sure. And I don't know. I guess there are different expectations you have of people who wear the C. I personally I it's not that the captaincy isn't important to me. Um, I just, I don't know why you as a fan would be angry if Ryan McDonough wasn't the captain you would want him to be. We don't really know what happens in that locker room. We don't know what the fuck he's doing behind a closed door. It, the Rangers are the least reported on New York sports team. We've been over this many a time. I just think it's a lazy narrative to say Ryan McDonough was a bad captain or a lazy captain or a a soft-spoken captain. He probably was. I just don't know what the fuck it matters or who gives a shit. And I certainly wouldn't boo a player over it. There's plenty,
2: there's plenty of players to boo. Like, Ryan McDonough is just not that guy. He just did nothing wrong here. i boo JT Miller. Not that it's his fault,
3: but I, you know. J- I wouldn't even boo JT Miller. I think it's the most insulting thing in the world you could have of a former ex-player is no opinion of him in my mind. And that's something I have of JT Miller. I have no opinion of that, man. I love I how you, you think, him. I don't even think about you. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't the amount of times in this podcast you and I have discussed JT Miller and the things he's doing in Tampa Bay this season, one, and I think it was when he signed his extension. Yeah, that was. And probably I'm pretty. It. If I, if memory serves correct, you and I were both like, "Thank God we didn't give him that extension. We don't think he's quite worth that amount of money."
2: I do miss Ryan McDonough. I uh, just, uh, it's that's a cold. I heart. miss
3: McDonough. Yeah, because McDonough is a cold hard fact. It's what he's one of two. Two way sound defenseman the Rangers have had in the last ten years. I think calling him two way is generous, but yeah, he's a very good defenseman. I think he's responsible offensively. He's not. It, it, I'm not saying he's got Kevin Shattenkirk level offensive ability. Oh, he definitely has but Kevin. If, if you <laughs> had Ryan McDonough in the offensive zone, I don't think it what you were giving anything up. He's Man, not like a Mark Zoll.
2: We'd love to see them paired together. That would have been amazing. <laughs> it was the plan, I just but Elaine Pino
3: doesn't care about plans, uh, who so cares what about are you going
2: to Yeah, I just don't understand booing those uh, those former players. But hey, Callahan and McDonough didn't score, so that's pretty nice. Is there a
3: former Ranger in this league you would boo?
2: Hmm. Broussard comes to mind first, but it's not like Broussard did anything wrong either.
3: I don't think I'd boo Broussard.
2: I don't think so. I love Keith Yandel, so I don't think I would do that for him. Eric, I don't think it, I just don't blame the players. Like, it's not Eric Stahl's fault. He was
3: misused here. Yeah, there, there are former Mets in the major leagues right now that I would boo. I can't think of a single Ranger, former Ranger in the league that I would boo.
2: It's definitely not Brian Boyle. Just checking that one off.
3: Nope. It's not Keith Yandel. This it not. It's not anyone on the uh, Again, like I don't care about JT Miller to boo. Is, is, it's it, not worth the effort. Is it Mack Truck? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. He's not in
2: the league anymore. Um, no, I don't think so. I think we're all good. We're all casual.
3: Yeah. I can't I can't think of a single former Ranger. Like, do people have strong opinions about John Moore?
2: Would people? No. No. Who cares about John Moore?
3: Would people boo Nobody.
2: Dan Girardi?
3: No. I don't think so. Because, again, I, I think many of the problems people had with Dan Girardi at the end were not Dan Girardi's fault. I think he just kept being put in situations that were well over his head. And I a smarter coach like a John Cooper would have utilized him differently. And I think it would have been beneficial to him and beneficial to fans' opinion of him. So I don't I personally wouldn't boo Dan Girardi. I don't blame Dan Girardi for Elaine Vino thinking he's a 20 minute a night defender at the advanced point in his career that he's at. I was always more angry at Vinor than I was ever at Dangerardi.
2: I think that's the same case for me. Yeah, there's there's nobody. But let's continue to talk about uh, some, some sort of storylines for this week. There have sure. been rumors floating rumors. around the internet and good Twitter album. sphere. Good album, Fleetwood Mac, about the possibility of the good old boy club being broken up and the Rangers maybe signing an offer sheet for certain players in restricted free agency this offseason. Do you believe it whatsoever?
3: No, I don't. I, Not just because, again, I don't think NHL GMs want to piss each other off, which is some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard of in this world. I also don't believe part of the reason why I think offer sheets don't get signed is because of the massive penalty you have to incur in uh, order to sign it. First
2: four, first uh, four, first round. Yeah, if,
3: I can't speak. Yeah, that. if you sign a guy to an offer sheet over seven million dollars, it's like three first-round picks. Yeah, it's a lot. And it has to be your first round pick. So I can maybe, maybe if the Rangers, here's a scenario in which I can see the Rangers actually signing someone to an offer sheet. Say by some miracle, not even a miracle, but say they get a late first round pick this year for Matt Zuccarello, and then they trade Hayes and instead they target a 2020 first round pick instead of a 2019 first round pick. Mm. So the Rangers then guarantee that they have first round picks and back to back drafts. That won't be their own pick, then. Then I can believe a little bit the Rangers would sign someone to an offer sheet. I just think the NHL has made it so just irresponsible almost to sign someone to an offer sheet that I have a hard time believing any NHL team will actually do it.
2: Uh, w- well, if Austin Matthews is out there, you got to give it a shot, right?
3: Right, and but I I don't think. And I, I we saw Rick Carpidallo in his piece on The Athletic, which we don't have a code to give you anymore in order to get a discount on that. <laughs> sorry about just that. Know that. Just know that it's still 110% worth your time and effort to get a subscription to The Athletic. We have a lot of good people and friends. Bob, who have oh, been stop on
2: stop doing an ad. We're not getting paid.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus. But in, in Rick's piece, the this, I don't think the offer sheet he was talking about was a – player like Matthews or Marner or even Patrick Laine. Um, I'd actually believe Laine more than I would Matthews or Marner. I, I, for whatever reason, again, I just, I, I see the mention of the Rangers signing someone to an offer sheet and I see uh, Carpinello hinting that part of the reason why they could do it is to screw another team over financially. And for whatever reason, whenever I see that combination, I always just think of the Winnipeg Jets.
2: For Line? A? Is that what you're thinking? No, Truba. Oh. Oh. Interesting.
3: Yeah, because I think I think no matter what happens, I think the Jets are extending Line a and Connor. And whatever offer sheet you give them, I think the Jets match. I don't know if you go maybe half a million to a million dollars over what you think Jacob Truba is worth that the Jets would match that.
2: Hmm. That's intriguing. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Just didn't yeah, cross my
3: I, mind. I, I, again, this this could 100% be a me thing. And maybe for some reason, I I probably have the biggest man crush in the world at this point on Jacob Truba. And everyone who listens to this podcast is either super tired of me talking about ways the Rangers could get him. Yeah, we or should probably talk about Patrick, super...
2: Patrick Mahomes and how bad he is. Uh,
3: yeah, I could. That... <laughs> no. No. Has no, no, he no. made a Super Bowl? I don't think so. It's a hockey anyway, podcast. Um, I just, yeah, it's I just think... It's a player that seems like he'd be most interested than many others in actually signing an offer sheet because it's sure if just read the tea leaves, it doesn't sound like that's a guy that wants to spend the rest of his career in Winnipeg. No, it has not. Remember it's an offer sheet. The player has to agree to the contract too. I don't, I don't know if Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner are truly looking to get out of Toronto. I don't think Patrick Line or Kyle Connor is truly looking to get out of Winnipeg, but it's sure if, just by reading the situation of everything that's going on in Winnipeg, everything suggests that Jacob Truba is looking to get out. And if he can get out a year early, I think he'd certainly try.
2: Hmm. Well, this is an intriguing theory that I guess we'll, we'll play in the next couple of weeks. Do we want to talk anything at all before we get to our guests for today about any trade scenarios? Not, not in too particular, right? We're going to get into that with both our guests. I mean, these guys are going. They're guaranteed going. That's just my per-
3: perfect feeling at this point. Yeah, it again, we're in February now, and the Rangers haven't even talked to Kevin Hayes' agent. Uh, you see reports every day about the Blue Jackets have spoken to Panarin's agents, so we know what's going on there. The Senators are talking weekly with the agents for Duchesne and Stone. There's conversations going on there. Uh, we just don't hear anything about Kevin Hayes having conversations, which is fine and good. I just think if you really wanted to extend Kevin Hayes' That's a conversation you've had by this point. In time. I can't believe they're not even talking least, to his
2: goddamn agent at this point.
3: Yeah, and there's a difference in knowing what it would take to sign Kevin Hayes, which I'm sure Jeff Gordon is well aware. Whatever it would take to sign Kevin Hayes, he knows it. He the knows number it's going to be six years. Be there, yeah, yeah, he knows it's going to be six years. He knows it's going to be north of six million a year. So it, it's it's not like he needs to go out and get the temperature of the market at the same time. You would be negotiating at this point in time if you really wanted Kevin Hayes long-term on the New York Rangers. Speaking of long-term, can we just talk about this Bobrovsky possible contract from Florida? That it just it doesn't make any
2: sense. What the whatsoever. hell are you talking about? So my only theory with this is we're headed towards a lockout probably in the NHL. No real secret mm. here. And they, that might give you like an amnesty clause where you can like eat a contract. I think that's why Washington signed to OSHA eight years. I'm not really sure. Oh, she's like I don't know, a younger player than Bobrovsky. But
3: Much, I think he's I think he's three or four years younger than Bobrovsky
2: significantly. But Bobrovsky might uh, the Florida Panthers are trying to trade for Bobrovsky and then sign him to an eight year extension. Well
3: which... oh, I should say, oh, I should say when Oshie signed that contract, right. he was three or four years younger than what Bobrovsky is now. Right, exactly.
2: But uh, that will, that's got bad contract written all over it. I'm assuming they're going for it. Uh, God bless him. We've gone for it before. It worked out really well for the Rangers, you know, to have all these cups and rigs to show. It's been amazing, but uh, that is a contract that will definitely be eaten by a lockout. Cause I, I just feel like people have inside info on these eight-year deals that some that you can go ahead and I, somehow
3: are going to be able to get rid of them. I got the other side of that coin, man. I don't, I don't think the Panthers are making that deal, thinking to themselves, "This is a contract we can get out of, and if we need to later down the road." I think the Panthers think that's a good contract. That's I, I I have nothing to suggest. The Florida Panthers don't believe giving a guy like Bobrovsky an eight-year deal is a bad idea, and I think they they want to trade for him because I I think they're worried if Bobrovsky has more options on the free agency market, he won't take their eight-year deal. It's really hard for over thirty-year-old goalies to live up to long-term contract extensions. You can think the world of Carey Price; that contract is not. It's year two of that deal already, oh and it's not aging well. God. Oh my! Corey God. Schneider has three years left on his contract. I think. I think it's um, four. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. Roberto Luongo, as good as he's been late into his career, he's battled injuries. He still has three years left on his contract. So you're going to have three years, Roberto Luongo, backing up or sharing time with Bobrovsky. It it, I just Henrik Lundqvist is the best case scenario. But for every Henrik Lundqvist, there are three other goalies that get long-term extensions where it just doesn't work. Twenty twenty one. Especially if you're giving that ex- Sorry,
2: twenty twenty-one-22 is eleven million dollars for carrier price. Uh, and then he's signed until 2025-26 for 5.5 after that. Well six point seven and then five point five. That's yikes.
3: The deals that just they don't age well. Goalies usually don't age well. It's it's rare. It Lundqvist is the exception, not the norm. It's it's like ten year contracts in baseball. Some guys definitely deserve them. The Seattle Mariners are cannot be disappointed by the production they got from Robinson Cano in the first six years of his ten year deal. At the same time, Albert Pujols, all time great. Yikes! You think the Angels wouldn't want out of that contract right now? They would. They wanted out of that contract three years ago. Yeah, very very bad. It's it's nuts. You you can't be given over thirty year old players, especially goalies, especially a goalie who's been injured this year and having the worst year of his career that big of a guarantee it it doesn't make any sense but to your point i i don't think for a second the panthers are making this deal thinking to themselves this will be fine we can get out of it in two years three years when a amnesty clause is in because of a new cba i truly don't believe that's why the they're doing this move i i think the panthers management 100 believes it's Good business.
2: Oh, boy. Well, God bless them, right? God bless them. Hey, if they want to trade for any assets, oh, we're willing to deal. We're here to help.
3: Yeah, and we've we've said this multiple times. We'll say it again. I'm still expecting we're going to talk with two more friends of the podcast, uh, Brian LeBlanc of Kane's Country. And Alex Dardy. We're going to talk Hurricanes, and we're talking with Alex uh, Daughtry of formerly on the 4-Check, now A to Z Sports in Nashville, about – Ways the Rangers could theoretically line up with the Predators. Hayes is leaving. Zuccarello also I understand. Well, I understand where people are coming from, right?
2: That he's well, been so good, giving production on the top line with Kreider and zabinajad that it's kind of sad to break that up. Is that the he, where people are coming
3: from? A little bit, but also what I had this conversation with a mutual friend of ours while I was at the Ranger game on Saturday. <laughs> What's your price point for? I want Zuccarello back for when he like
2: if he's a free agent he's on the, the market.
3: Yeah, say say this summer you had to give me, uh, Matt Zuccarello a new deal. What would your contract be for him?
2: I feel mean saying this number. Just I just want to let everyone know that the number that came to mind because uh, we're going with gut reactions, right? Yeah. The number I thought was mean. It's mean number. I would do two years, three million each year.
3: Yeah, there's no scenario where I would feel comfortable giving him more than two years. Yep. And there's no scenario where I'd feel comfortable paying him more than he makes now. Even yep. though he will make more than he makes now on the open market.
2: Uh, guaranteed, 100%. No
3: doubt about I it. I think but- I think the lowest contract Zucarello, if especially if he's playing as well as he's playing right now, I can't see him taking a deal lower than what Patrick Marlowe signed with the Leafs. Which what? I think was what, three by six? Yeah. That's uh, that's my other reason to trade Zook. I if he really I'd wants to, to come have back. Him back, I
2: feel like he will. Because he said I uh, all oh, want to play here, I'll go back home.
3: Yeah, if, if Zook really wants to come back.
2: But I also feel bad because that's like this guy is like sacrificing his livelihood.
3: Right. He, he's for up, once again, he would have to be given up millions of dollars in order to be a New York Ranger.
0: Yeah,
2: if he doesn't care, like, of course I want him back. Like, he's one of my favorite Rangers of all time. Everyone loves him. It is, it's is—it's impossible actually not to like Zuccarello. Please find me someone that doesn't so I can not, never talk to them ever again.
3: Yeah, I've never met anyone who's actually said a bad thing about Zuccarello. But, yeah, that's that's my point. Of, that's, that's another reason why you trade Zuccarello because I don't know anyone who says they would go market value for Matt Zuccarello. And it also just doesn't make it. It doesn't even if the Rangers want to be competitive next year, and they do, there's no reason they'd be in on Panarin unless they wanted to be competitive. I I still don't think Zuccarello 100% fits the picture anymore because they still want to be young. And I just, I don't know. It just,
2: if he's here, you're never going to complain about. Why would I complain about 3 million Zuccarello? I would never complain
3: about that. No, I, I just don't know why Zuccarello would want to do that deal. Yeah, why would he? I feel bad. I'm like, go sense. out
2: there, get money, go play, have a great time. I loved you. I loved you so much. But it's time for us to move on. We've just had a great relationship. We've learned so much from each other. You lost – we left you speechless at some points.
3: Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Zuc Zook, Zook is out. McQuaid is out. And I, 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 I'm going to be – I'm going to just – not, I won't be angry when the Rangers do better on McQuaid than what they gave up to get him. But it just it baffles the mind that he's going to do better than what the Rangers gave up to get him. Uh, I still think the gets moved. It just makes sense to move him now as opposed to waiting because I don't think his stock's going to get higher. If anything, I think the might play a lower role on the Rangers next year than he's playing this year. So. I'd personally sell them now as opposed to waiting. Um, and one thing I mentioned online that I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast extensively, I know we're all worrying about Panarin and what the Rangers are going to do with all the UFAs and all that stuff. I'm still very curious what the hell the Rangers are going to do with the trio of restricted free agents. That's Buchnevich, D'Angelo, and Pionk.
2: Yeah. Because I have no idea. Well, let's talk about this very quickly because uh, we do have a guest coming on rather soon, I believe. Uh and one more thing of note for people listening we are recording before the Kings game or during the Kings game so I actually don't know what's happened just yet but i'm assuming it's a I'm, shit show I'm sure it's
3: going I'm sure it's going well
2: I'm it sure it's it a shit down. show we're playing seven defensemen how could that really has it ever gone well ever
3: uh no i it, can't remember one instance in which
2: it is 0-0 right now in the first great uh man in the flyers game not that that's flyers game the devils game every single goal scored by the devils had Neil Pionk being an absolute eyesore for it's just it an embarrassment on the ice to be honest
3: yeah, the two power play goals are some of the worst looks I've ever seen in my life. I, the, the third goal, I know VC's turnover leads to the break, but it's almost like once VC turned it over, Pionk was a deer in headlights and didn't know what to do. Just uh, yeah, it, was, it was a bad look. Even
2: watching the highlights and going back and just uh, – I did a quick refresher before the pod. And it was like, oh, that goal. Oh, was Neil Pe- oh, wow, Neil. Neil, I'm so sorry that they did that to you. But you really did it to yourself because, honestly, you were just truly a, a horrific defensively. And yeah.
3: It's, and speaking of, speaking of doing things to the cells, we have to talk about Tony D'Angelo real quick. Well, but first on Pionk, um, I just, I, I think people just need to be careful about their expectations for him. I think we've learned a lot about Neil Pionk this year, which is important. And I don't think it's insulting to Neil Pionk to say that on an ideal team in an ideal lineup, he is a third pairing defender with offensive upside who can live on your second power play unit. I don't think that's insulting to say. I just think that's his role. Here's what we know. He can't be a top-pairing defender because he's been atrocious at it this year. He can't be a penalty-kill defender because he's been even worse at that. I think on a perfect team, Neil Pionk is either your 7th D or he's an offensive upside third-pairing guy that's getting maybe no more than 15 minutes a night tops. Yeah, uh- Maybe you're shielding, you're shielding his usage heavily. Because you don't want to expose them. Do you think the Rangers don't have an ideal lineup right now? Do you so think there's Neil, a
2: chance that Neil isn't on this team next year?
3: I don't think there's a chance in hell. Uh, especially, it, it is clear that David Quinn likes him. It is clear that management likes him. So I think Neil Pionk will 100% be here. I just I don't know what numbers the Rangers use that we don't have access to. I know that their numbers have to be telling them something that just isn't true, because Neil Pionk, whatever. All the things Pionk has done this year, especially with Mark Stahl, have been extremely bad. But the good news is, and we've talked about this multiple times on the pod, this year was about answering questions. I feel like we answered a lot of Neil Pionk questions.
2: We did do that. Uh, so what do we learn? He's a winger. He's very much like Nick Holden.
3: <laughs> we learned he's a third-pairing guy. A third-pairing guy who can live on a second power play unit and provide you some offensive upside. I, just, I don't think Neil Pionk is a long-term building block piece. He's a depth piece. And that's fine. Good teams need depth pieces. I, I just, I think, the, I think there's a portion of the fan base that has maybe the same portion of the fan base that thinks we overvalue Pavel Buchnevich. I think that portion of the fan base is overvaluing Neil Pion. you talk about my Russian son like that?
2: Uh, just well, saying. No, just, Pavel, it's just, it's, it's like a Shakespeare play. I don't understand. He's a misunderstood p- child who just gets
3: misused and abused by we
2: multiple coaches. We to, and,
3: yeah, we don't have to talk about this tonight, but I, I think one of the big things we're going to end up talking about this summer is Pavel Buchnevich's next contract because there's what it should be, there's what it's going to be, and then there's the question of if he's even a New York Ranger next year.
2: I have a hot take about that, but we'll save it for another time. Let's talk about Mr. D'Angelo before we move on. Uh, yeah. Benched for a few games for maturity issues. Yep. Uh, Yep. the rumor has come out and you've told me right before the podcast, it was because possibly Tony D'Angelo chirped at a
3: ref and you probably shouldn't In a do way, that. You're not supposed to chirp at a ref. I'm right? assuming it like, was we, some we, sort of slang. I, I don't know why my head immediately goes there, but for some reason I feel like D'Angelo called someone a cocksucker. You're not supposed to call a cocksucker.
2: That's probably true. Like uh,
3: that again, that, the, I'm basing that off zero information that I've received. Uh, it just, knowing Tony D'Angelo, I don't think it's the most outrageous thing to assume.
2: And it's here's, just, here's it's just so sad. Like Tony, it's not, it's not
3: sad. It's sad. Sad is not the word okay. I would use.
2: Right. Well, um, hold, on, hold on. It's just, right. you just played the three best games of your entire career. You just won three in a row and you were a big part of it. You just had... A shining moment where you can impress the coaching staff and cement your spot on a team that needs defense that could give you a future contract at a higher value. And you decided to mess it up by tripping a ref. That's where the maturity comes in. And that's where it's like, I guess where David Quinn is trying to implement his culture of saying, hey, we're not going to be that guy. I don't care who you are. If you do the wrong thing, I don't care how talented you are. I'd rather lose a game. That's where I'm at with that.
3: Yeah, but sad's not the word I use because sad, when I think of saying something sad about an individual player, it's usually something out of their control that is keeping them from living up to their, their possibilities. Rick Nash is sad. This is self-inflicted. Rick Nash is sad. That's a guy who is an extremely talented player who got knocked in the head too many times and his quality of life could have been impacted if he continued to play hockey. So the fact that he had to retire early is extremely sad. Tony D'Angelo is just fucking stupid. And this, this isn't me saying anything about his off-ice politics, who he likes to vote for, how he interacts off the ice. I don't, I don't give a shit, all right? Kurt Schilling is one of the most disgusting human beings in the mm-hmm. entire fucking world. He's terrible. At the same time, if prime Kurt Schilling was still in baseball, I would want him on my baseball team because he helps you win games. So Tony D'Angelo is on a much lesser scale that extremely talented was playing the best hockey of his career decides to say something to a ref. You're not supposed to say, and he gets put in the fucking box. But here's if you're trying to get any sort of light out of this dark situation, here's my theory and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm ready. This is Tony D'Angelo's third organization. This is his second coach in his third organization. I I, I personally believe David Quinn is the first coach Tony D'Angelo has ever had that actually gives a shit about him. And here, here's what I mean by that. Okay, I think when he was drafted by the Lightning, they took a chance because this was a highly skilled player who should have been drafted much sooner than when he was. So they wanted to see. And then D'Angelo kept doing this shit. And they just said, fuck this. No interest. Our chemistry is one of our biggest things. It's the same thing they did with Juwan when they shipped him to Montreal, they didn't want anything that had struck that locker room. So regardless of what D'Angelo was doing in juniors or the minors, they got rid of him, the the Arizona, when he gets to Arizona, that's a, an organization that's in the midst of a big rebuild. They're trying to identify pieces they could build around long-term. You get Tony D'Angelo in that locker room doing shit. He's doing now. That could be a team that just says, fuck this, no interest in trying to correct this kid. We're bad anyway. There's no need for us to try and rehabilitate this kid while we're doing it. So they ship him to the Rangers. Right. You get Elaine Vino, who we know for fact does not handle young players well. We know Elaine Vino probably saw Tony D'Angelo's reputation and said to himself, regardless of talent, I just can't work with this kid. I don't want it in my locker room. Fuck this. So the Rangers send him back to Hartford. This this year. David Quinn's been extremely hard on Tony D'Angelo. He's taken him out of the lineup more than any other young player. And he's really, really driven the point home that if D'Angelo wants to have an NHL career, he needs to mature the fuck up. In my head, if Tony D'Angelo is not going to hear the message from David Quinn, he's never going to hear the message. Because I truly believe Quinn is the first coach that gives a flying fuck about Tony D'Angelo. And that's great. And when D'Angelo first got benched, we all reacted a certain way. Then once the maturity thing came out, all of almost everyone was like, Jesus fucking Christ, what is this kid's problem? Because it's so annoying to see a kid playing so well, and not just playing so well, but playing so well with Mark Stahl. That pairing was, dare I say, dynamic? Right. It's God, the fir- don't it's, do that. It's, it's the first time in years where I saw someone play with Mark Stahl. I was like, holy fucking shit. It's working. Whatever that is, it's working. And... He fucked it up. He fucked it up. No one else fucked it up for him. David Quinn didn't fuck it up by taking him out of the lineup undeserved. He didn't get hurt. It wasn't it, it. wasn't anything in his play. It's his fucking mouth. And if you can't watch your mouth, it doesn't fucking matter what you can do on the ice because teams will try to find another Tony D'Angelo that does, just doesn't fucking chirp. So I, I, this is the best situation for D'Angelo to be in, in my, my mind, because it, it sure feels like Quinn gives a shit. And I I think if David Quinn goes to Gordon and says, that's it, I've had enough. Can't fucking do it with this kid. I honestly think that's the end of Tony D'Angelo. Because if David Quinn's not going to take the effort to make it work with him, who is? I don't think there's a there's a coach in the league that's gonna find the time for a head case. He's he's not that good where he's he's good, and it's great that the Rangers are getting a look at him now. Because again, the one thing that is most uncertain about this rangers future is their defense so if tony d'angelo who's figuring out his game can figure out how to fucking check his attitude at the door great there's a difference between being a fucking asshole and being a brat what tony d'angelo is is an asshole i can deal with brats brats happen but brats is just i don't think they're right like I was talking about this with friend of the podcast, Shana Goldman, on Twitter today. And we're going to have her on the pod after the deadline. And we're going to investigate this further. But there are like three levels of prick, in my mind, in the NHL. There's brat, which is maybe a player who doesn't always agree with the coach. Like, I think Chris Kreider is a brat from time to time. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, maybe, there's, not, I don't know. Well, I I mean chris Kreider, if he has an opinion is going to make you make it known oh he just scored a goal too so this is perfect timing for me to oh and it was assisted by tony d'angelo this is perfect timing uh chris Kreider is not afraid to tell a coach his opinion regardless of what that opinion is in my mind which to me is like a brat tendency being a brat is not necessarily a bad thing then the the second level is your friend's groups your friend group's asshole, right which is someone like sean avery Yes, Where if he's on your team, you like him, but you also 100% understand why people outside your friend group fucking hate him. And then there's just fucking asshole, which is where Tony D'Angelo might be, where we're all just sick and tired of his shit. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's just fucking annoying that you can't get out of your own fucking way. And I, D'Angelo to me is firmly in that third level. If he could just make it up to your friend group's asshole, I think he's going to have a very successful NHL career. I'm not convinced he can do it.
2: Find out next time on Blue Shirts Breakaway as we transition <laughs> into an interview with Brian LeBlanc. Let's transition. Transition. We're back with a returning guest. One of our favorites, we have Brian LeBlanc. He's the managing editor, or I, I think I did that wrong again. Whatever. No, you of, you got right. it. Oh, nice job. Of Kane's country, he's been on the show a couple times. Oh. He's here at County. I messed that one up. Nice. Uh, uh, to talk about
0: we are we are are all of the counties. We are country. Come on now,
2: Kane's Kane's country. Uh, he's here to talk about possible trades the New York Rangers might have with the Hurricanes and talk about the hurricane season. Brian, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Hello, gentlemen. How are you guys doing?
2: We're living our best lives. Uh, we're trying to tank and not doing the best jobs,
0: but you're trying to win this season. Is that true? Uh, that's what they tell me. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what they're going for, which. You would have thought at the end of December, the way that things were going, uh, it probably wasn't going to end up real well. But then they uh, they spun off. I think they're on a 10-4 and one run since the beginning of the year. And um, I mean that run in a division that's as wide open as the Metro is right now will at least put them into the conversation. And that's all they could really hope for at this point.
2: As a Canes fan or a person that follows the Canes at least very closely, ahead of you in the standings right now is the Blue Jackets, and Panarin is probably likely going to be traded at this point. Does that, do you think that opens up another spot for the hurricanes?
0: Oh, I don't know. If, uh, I, I don't know. If, I don't know what Columbus is going to do. We, you know, we were just talking about that at practice uh, this morning, me and a couple of other writers, um, boy, they are really between a rock and a hard place right now with those two more. So Panera than Bob, cause Bob hasn't been great this year, but um, you never want to go. You never want to go shopping for a goalie at the deadline. And if they trade him, they're almost going to have to, um boy I don't know what they do uh they're they're not exactly in cap hell right now but they're getting nothing out of Alex Wenberg um Atkinson's been up and down this season Foligno can't stay healthy um I mean it's it's one thing after another for them and boy I tell you that franchise desperately needs not only to get in but to win they're the only franchise in the league that's never won a playoff round which is incredible to me um and you know you can only ask the fans there for so much patience, and you have to think that if they're going to end up losing um, Panarin and Bobrovsky for nothing, uh, you, almost, you almost say okay and just go with it and hope that they get you to where you want to be. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the cup this year, but winning, winning a playoff round for them would be a huge boost. And I mean, you can almost treat Panarin like he's your deadline acquisition in a way um, he's your rental for the rest of the season. And, um, that way, I don't know. I don't know what they end up doing. I can, I can tell you there's little to no chance the hurricanes are going to be in on bidding for either one of those. Um, you know, Bobrovsky, maybe if you would be willing to consider a short-term deal, but everything I'm seeing is that he's going to want, you know, six, seven, eight years. And there's no chance <laughs> after what they went through with Scott Darling, uh, there's a better chance of a grand piano falling out of the skies than the hurricanes, committing multiple years to a goalie there's well, no he'll, way
2: he'll be in florida soon so you don't have to
0: worry about that yeah. but while, yeah, while that's, we're talking, but that's what i've heard too and <laughs> while, not like they've well, got well, the greatest track record in the world on goal he's not, not named roberto luongo the last
3: 15 years so you know they just while we're talking panarin though and i'm interested brian to get your opinion of this and ryan you as well because we didn't talk about it on the really? the rangers part of this podcast um it, it goes towards the theory of the the idea that the Blue Jackets have to get something for Panarin before the deadline, do they? Because some other team, some other team acquiring Panarin is going to use Panarin as a rental. The, mm-hmm. Whoever gets Panarin is not signing, or most likely not signing into a long term deal. So why is it okay for a team like the Bruins or someone else to take Panarin on and only use him for a couple months, give up a ton of assets, and let him walk? The Blue Jackets are a team in the playoff hunt. They're a team with an exceptionally talented defense and a very talented and young offensive core. If their goalie situation, Bobrovsky mostly, turns around or gets hot even just a little, there's nothing to say this team can't make a playoff run. Why is it okay for an, a different team to only have Panarin for a couple months? And why is it not okay? for the Blue Jacks to have Panarin for a couple months. I don't know. I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with
0: you. And I mean, um, if, if I'm, if I'm Yarmo line and I'm looking very carefully at the possibility of keeping Panarin and just, and just riding it, I just, you know, like I just said, there's no real reason not to, I mean, if you're going to lose him in the summer, then fine, but everybody knows that he's going to one of about four teams in the summer. So the market on him, you know, in terms of a return is going to be, artificially limited and you know I, I brought up the I brought up the uh, the what's the word I'm looking for the experience that hurricanes had with Eric Stahl when we traded him to you in 2015 um, not obviously not the same um, not the same situation by a long shot but in terms of you know what he was worth to the hurricanes was probably considerably more than what he was worth to the rest of the league and they ended up getting a decent mid-level prospect and a couple of second round picks. It wasn't, you know, anything great for a guy who's probably going to have his jersey in the rafters when he retires one day. So, you know, Panarin obviously is a better player than Saul was that season. And, um, you know, he kind of had the redemption tour in Minnesota the last few years, but that season was a lost year for him. Um, and even with that, even as good as he had been, a Stanley cup winner, uh, you know, longtime captain got back a couple of, you know, middling picks and a decent prospect. And that's it. I can't imagine that Tanarin's going to get any more than either a top prospect or a first round pick. I don't think he gets both. Um, and I think honestly, if I'm tech line, and I'm probably looking at trading him for a roster piece at this point, seeing what you can get it. If you can't get what you want, then just hang on to him. There's nothing really to lose. You're going to lose him anyway. So, you know, why put up the white flag when you've got a division that's as winnable as this one is this year. Um, at some point, you got to make your run, and this might be their best chance to do that.
2: Uh, I think I feel the opposite of you two, whereas Bob has been a train wreck this year, and I watched Tavares leave the Islanders last year, and yes, they are leading the division currently, but they could have another piece to play with right now if they would have traded him. If he would have said, hey, I'm not going to resign here no matter what, please trade me, and that's kind of what Panarin has said. So we kind of flamed John Tavares for not doing that for the Islanders. I mean, I didn't blame him. I was happy he did it. Uh, but then, obviously, went to the Leafs. I was going
0: to say I was, was, was kind of questioning where this was going for a second. Nope, I, now we've got everything back in its proper order. So. But
3: at, at, at the same at the same time, it's not like the Islanders were leading the Metropolitan Division at any point last season. It's it's a wildly different situation entirely. The Islanders should have traded John Tavares because that team wasn't going anywhere, and they 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 lost Tavares for nothing on what was a bad team. the The Blue Jackets, if they weren't in the division, whoever the second or one of the wildcard teams is going to likely be a beatable opponent for the Blue Jackets.
0: Oh, so I absolutely I
3: just, agree. In fact, even I think even if they get the Penguins, they're, they're a beatable opponent. The Penguins have never been more vulnerable. Let me put it that yeah, way. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, to it, it's, it's I not a one-to-one situation where it, 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 it's kind of, the Rangers should have traded Keith Yandel because Elaine Vigneault didn't know how to use him. Yep. But if, if the Rangers had an actual coach, I understand keeping Yandel because that, that piece would have helped the Rangers in the playoffs. Panarin mm-hmm. clearly not just helps the Blue Jackets in the playoffs, he's the reason they get to the playoffs. I'm not a Jackets guy. So if you get around for him, obviously I mean, not a
2: Jackets okay.
0: guy, but I, I, I just can't get past the. Oh, sorry, Brian. Look at the standings right now. You've got Washington, who's up and down. You never know what you're going to get from Braden Holt beyond a given night. And outside of Ovechkin, they've had trouble scoring this year. The Penguins, like you said, are beatable. Um, you know, nobody's really that worried about the Islanders, even if they end up winning the division. I can't imagine anybody, any wild card team is going to go into a series like that going, Oh God, we have to play the Islanders. And you know, if you, if you cross over, you're the second wild card team and you wind up playing the, you know, the lightning in the first round. Well, whoever plays the lightning in the first, in the first round is probably going to be fodder. I mean, let's be real. So out of all of those matchups, You've got one that scares you, and it's outside of your division. I just don't see why you don't go for it. If going for it means you hang on to Panarin, and you know get those goals that could get you into the second round, it's not about gate revenue here. It's about giving your fans something to hope for. I mean, the the franchise is almost 20 years old. In fact, next season's their 20th anniversary. They've never won a playoff series. What better chance are they going to have to do it than this
3: year?
2: They will. They will, and this as will be their best th- chance for a long time. And as-
3: and as long as you finish top three in the metro, you don't have to worry about the Leafs, the Bruins, or the Lightning until the conference finals. And if Agreed. you get to the conference yeah. finals, it's a coin flip. All it takes is a hot goalie. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, look yeah. at look at the, the the Arizona Coyotes
0: made a conference final in the last six years. It's not impossible, you know? Well, Brian, glad we brought you on to talk about the Hurricanes instead instead talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets. (laughs) Continuing continuing on our episode of Let's Ask the Hurricanes Writer about the Columbus Blue Jackets.
3: (laughs) Uh, The the Hurricanes this year have been one of the more fascinating case studies from a neutral standpoint. You guys are a PDO monster. Every week it, it seems like the Hurricanes do things that the modern hockey style of play would dictate as good and like you said up until the calendar flipped till 2019 it just didn't seem to be working a ton but but now that it is 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 what the hurricane's doing right now do you feel it's sustainable i no
0: i don't but i think that i don't really know if i'm approaching that from an analytical eye or from a We've been burned way too many times by this in the past. I and I tend to think it's the latter. Um, so every morning on Twitter, hockey uh, puts up his um, his graphs that you know pdo charts and five on five shooting percentage and all this stuff and you you get to the one where he puts the uh the one that is contributing like contributing factors to goals and the hurricanes have this long red line for shooting percentage and it's been there since October. I mean, that is obviously regressed a little bit, but it's still pretty terrible. And I, I question whether there's enough time left in the season for that to swing back around and work in their favor I don't think it's necessarily a style thing I think the calendars just going to run out on them um, you know they've they've certainly gotten they've certainly gotten more scoring output uh, from further down the lineup uh, Michael Furlan's been a revelation this year although he's kind of fallen off the pace uh, I think it was you know grand step that they got Nino Nieder Rider out of Minnesota for whatever's left of Victor Rask Um I mean, it's the guys they're getting are doing the things that they ask them to. And that's one thing that Rod Brendamore has stressed over and over and over again with us uh, whenever he's talked to us. Everything that they're doing is what they ask them to do. And at some point, you just have to hope the numbers work in your favor. And for the first three-ish months of the season, they just weren't. Um, you know, they're, what's funny is that the Hurricanes have always had, well, always in the last you know, four or five years have just had abysmal goaltending. Peter Mrazek's numbers are no better, really, than what we saw from Scott Darling last year. But I challenge anybody that's watched him to say that Darling's just as bad as Mrazek is just as bad as Darling. He's not. In fact, he's. Um, you know, I made this point on Twitter the other night during a game. Not every 895 save percentage is created equal because that's the save percentage right now. But I'd throw him out there against any team in the league. I mean, he's been that good, um, and they've they've been they've been playing better in front of their goaltender, and that helps. At the other end, they're just not getting the shots to go in. Now they start, they're start; they starting to a little bit. I think they're seeing some uh, that would have been saved earlier in the season or would have missed the net or something. Um, but at some point, I'm just afraid that the calendar is going to run out on them and they've left themselves no room for error. If they have one bad week, you know, they could it could be curtains for them. And I'd say that knowing that the Metro is there for the taking. Obviously, they're not going to challenge for the division title. Um, but – you know they they can't afford to go on any more skids. They basically left themselves uh, where they have to play essentially at a hundred and five
3: hundred seven point pace the rest of the way to make it, and that's asking a lot, I think. Do you think they're going to be buyers at the deadline? I mean that we we've definitely heard the rumblings, and they're
0: yeah. I I think they are in the sense that their hand's going to kind of be forced. Um, Furland is well, I don't want to say he's all but out the door because. Uh, Pierre Lebrun said this morning, I read that he's, you know, they've kind of backed off on that just a little bit. Still think he's, you know, heavy, heavily favored to be gone by the deadline. Um, the numbers that I'm hearing bandied around uh, for him are upward, are north of 6 million a year. And I don't think there's any way the Hurricanes are willing to commit that to him. Um, especially given that they just signed Terra Terravine into an extension and they traded for Nino Niederreiter, who was, in addition to the to the payroll on top of what Rask was making. Um, so those two things I think pretty much were the writing on the wall for Furland. Um, but what I think may end up happening is kind of what the Panthers are doing with Derek Broussard, where they picked him up from Pittsburgh, and I would be shocked if they don't move him again by the deadline. I think that's probably what they'll do for whatever they get for Furland. Um no, guys like that tend to command a pretty decent return at the at the trade deadline. You think about guys like Jeff Carter, Wayne Simmons is you know his his name's in bad. Last year it wasn't a deadline deal obviously, but he got a pretty good return for Buffalo. That's the kind of thing I think they can expect for furland. and um, so they'll be selling that. They'll probably sell a defenseman I don't know who. I still. You know, Justin Falk is kind of the obvious guy, but I still think that he probably ends up hanging around, which means maybe it's Brett Pesci. Um, maybe it's, you know, a smaller deal for a Trevor Van Reemstijk or something like that. Um, but I don't think they're done adding to uh, their forward core. They know they need a center. Right now, they're basically down two centers because not only is Rask gone, but Jordan Stahl's been out for, you know, a month and a half with a concussion. So, they they're desperate to find a center. They've been sniffing around a lot of different guys. Um, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins name comes up quite a bit. And I think that's kind of where this leads to the Rangers. The The issue that I see with the hurricanes trying to make a deal with the Rangers is that what the hurricanes are selling, I can't really see the Rangers buying. So it could be the, the kind of thing where maybe they use that. Whatever pick they get from Furland to flip to the Rangers to grab a Kevin Hayes or something like that. But I, I just don't really see a match there the way that I see a match with like the Oilers or the Leafs or a team like that that's got a little bit of surplus to spare and can afford to bring on a guy like a Pesci or a Falk or something like that. I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't think the Rangers are in the market for the type of things that the Hurricanes are selling right now.
3: Um I it, it depends, right? I, I don't think the Rangers would walk away from Pesci if he was available. Uh, I understand why Very the time hurricanes time we'll say that one more time town native, Yankees fan. Hey, now. Uh, he, he can hang out with uh, Shattenkirk all the time. They can both play <laughs> – attempt to play defense on our team. Uh, Hayes, I, I get why the Hurricanes wouldn't want to trade their own first-round pick because there has to be some concern they missed the playoffs and that becomes a pretty decent first-rounder. Kind of so, – sort of how the Devils last year, I don't think, under any circumstance were trading their first-round pick. And if they mm-hmm. made the playoffs great and if they didn't, they still had that to fall back on. Uh, that
0: was also had the hard trophy winner to fall back on, which is definitely not on the hurricane roster, right? Right, now.
3: right, right. Yeah, and I, I think there, I think there's business to do with Pesci. Um, it's just interesting, and and I'm, I'm very curious. Your take? How come we're still hearing Dougie Hamilton's name and trade rumors? Boy, I don't know. Um, he
0: seems like he's kind of found a home here, and I just think that they, they may see this as a case of selling high, in a sense, on Hamilton. Um the the uh spinning wheel has kind of slowed down around him over the last month or so. He's kinda of come on. He's notoriously a slow starter. In fact, someone asked him about that last night. Um and you know, he's he's not the most he's not the most vocal guy in the world to us. Um and so he just kinda of downplayed it. Rod Brindamore was asked about it incidentally. It's like, Yeah, well I'm I'm glad it's I'm I'm glad it's coming out and long may it continue. Um Rod's great. I mean, I, I wish every coach was, was as Forthright as as Moore is, um, boy, I I kind of get the sense that the Hurricanes know they need to move somebody, and if they if the best deal they get is for Dougie Hamilton, they'll move him. I don't get the sense. I mean, I don't get the sense that they're looking to move anybody in the sense of you know Don Waddell calling up every GM in the league and saying, Hey, do you want Brett Pesci? I don't think that's happening. Um, what I think they're probably doing is just kind of biding their time waiting to see what kind of deals they can make. And whatever the best return is, they'll pull the trigger on that deal. If it happens to be for Pesci, then so be it. If it happens to be for Hamilton, so be it. Um, they know they need to move a defenseman, and they really need to do that uh, to try to get Adam Fox, who is the third part of that Hamilton and Furlin deal with Calgary, Um he wants to play in the NHL. He won't sign unless he can have an NHL roster spot, so they need to open a space for him. So time is kind of of the essence there because as soon as the Frozen Four is done, uh, they could sign him and uh, and bring him on board for whatever's left of the season and then send him to Charlotte. And the Checkers are running away with the NHL right now, so he would get a long playoff run down there. Um, more than anything, that's kind of the time crunch far as there is one. Uh, so I don't really get the sense that Hamilton is being shopped necessarily, but if the if the return for him is the best return the Hurricanes can get, then I don't think they would have uh, they would have an issue moving him if that makes
3: sense. Yeah, I got to tell you, the one guy that I think all of Ranger Twitter yep. would really love is actually Adam Fox.
2: Yeah, So my question was, how untouchable is Adam Fox?
3: I have no idea.
0: I've 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 never seen him play. Um, I I. Waddell, Tom Dundon all said, we don't think that signing him will be a problem. So, I mean, they, they pretty much know the deal at this point. Uh, they know that if they, you know, if they're going to get Fox to sign, they need to give him, he needs to have a roster spot open. And right now there's not one. In fact, he'd be the best, the eighth defenseman right now, uh, because Hayden Flurry is the seventh defenseman and he has done nothing to, uh, to bump himself out of the NHL lineup, even though he's bounced back and forth like a ping pong ball all year, um, I think that they they know what they need to do uh, to get Adam Fox on board. Maybe they're just putting on a face and saying we don't think this is going to be that big of a deal. But I think it could very easily easily turn into a Jimmy Vesey situation um, where you know he just lets it lets it ride out, goes back to Harvard for another year, and then eventually becomes a free agent. Now, if that happens, you know I don't really think you can necessarily say that it was a bad trade. I mean that that trade isn't going to rely um, in, in its entirety on whether or not Adam Fox signs. Um, it would certainly help if he does, but I don't get the sense that the hurricanes are looking at that, that deal as Oh my God, this is going to be a disaster of a move if we can't get this guy to sign. There's a lot more to it. And, um, and I don't think that that's the one thing that's going to judge success or failure of that trade. But that being said, they got him because they wanted to sign him and they're going to do everything they can to sign him and get him on board by the end of the year.
3: I think Fox's Q rating is so high in Ranger circles that if you told um, some of the players on Rangers Twitter that, and by players, I mean uh, us blog boys. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. <laughs> if, uh, if you told them that it would be a one for one deal, Kevin Hayes for Adam Fox, I don't know if anyone bats an eye. I think, I think they'd take it.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I, I think that they're much more likely to move one of their. I mean, all all their defensemen kind of come in right around the same, right around the same ballpark. I mean, the the higher earners, Jacob Slade, a shade over five million. Pesci's Pesci's at like four four and a half, something like that. Um, Falk is at four seventy five. Hamilton's right around there. Calvin DeHans at four four and change. So I mean, it's not like there's one standout earner that's making nine million dollars against the you know, Shea Weber type. Uh, that's you know skewing the numbers everybody's kind of in the same ballpark, so yeah. this isn't really a, this isn 't really a salary consideration so much as it is getting the right deal and making sure that they um, that they can afford that. The other thing to keep in mind is that they you know they do need to move some salary because Sebastian Ajo is up for a contract this season, and i 'd be stunned if he gets less than eight and a half, probably looking at north of nine at this point um and they will pay that i mean there's no question they're going to pay that but at some point you have to manage your cap and if you can move one of those four four and a half ish million defensemen off of it that'd be fine what they won't do and i hate to tell you this is they're not going to move adam fox to count zero against the cap right now for kevin hayes who's a four and a half himself there's no way they can take that on given what they have coming down the pike
3: well there's that hey. Hayes Hayes is also north of five at this point. So is he I, I,
0: I knew he was up there. I couldn't remember exactly what his number was, but I knew it was somewhere in like the high fours, low fives.
3: Yeah, and there's no I think, way. I think it's I think it's five and a half for this year.
0: Boy, that's steep for Kevin Hayes.
3: Hey, like he's it. gonna get he's gonna get six and a half as a free agent, which is exactly why I'm totally fine for the Rangers trading him. Oh yeah. I mean
0: Matt Bolesky cashed
3: in. And where's Matt Bolesky these days? Hartford, he's he's with us. We got him. No worries. <laughs> exactly. We got him. right.
2: All right. Does uh, there anything else we want to we want to cover, Greg? Before we get out of here,
3: uh, I guess the last thing it it sounds like Nino Niederreiter filled a whole lot of the same needs that Matt Zuccarello would have,
2: and what had so, a lot yeah. of fun name saying.
3: Yeah, so it it does feel like the Hurricanes more than any other team. It's hazer bust with the Rangers, right?
0: Yeah, I would I would think that's probably a, a safe bet. I mean, they're not going to go after any of the defensemen. Um, you know, at, at center, you know, there's not really anybody that jumps out outside of Hayes. Um, you know, they've they've already got enough bottom six centers and God knows the Rangers have those abundance. Um, yeah, I I don't really see I don't see anything like that happening. Niederreiter's really funny. Um, really a really funny story. The Hurricanes have had their eyes on him for years, going back probably 3-4 years. Um, he's been his name has been kicked around as an eventual possibility just because again go, going back to what we talked about originally he's a staff darling i mean he's he's a great puck possession guy uh he shoots from everywhere and his you know he's basically a guaranteed 20 goal score which the hurricanes traded one of those away and is currently toiling in buffalo is probably going to get nine million on the open market next year well they got Niederreiter locked up for the next four years at like five and a quarter which is you know pretty good deal, especially given they were paying Victor Rask four million a year to do whatever Victor Rask was doing. Um I, I mean I I I almost feel bad because it sounds like this is the dump on Victor Rask hour and I don't mean to do that. He's a good guy. You know, he had an accident and nothing more than an accident. I mean it wasn't you know he cut himself slicing a sweet potato. You know, stuff happens. Um but for that deal, um that was not necessary when it was signed. And it became even more unnecessary as years went by. And eventually, again, in the, in the interest of clearing space out on the cap, you couldn't afford to have your fourth-line center making $4 million a year. And so moving him, I mean, he probably would have been a buyout candidate in the offseason. And the fact that they were able to move him and get a guy that, A, they had their eye on for a long time, and B, fits in like a glove into the current lineup, was just icing on the cake. I mean, Niederreiter's been great. Six goals, and he almost, almost had a goal last night that would have been six and six since he was traded here. Um, but, you know, just a, just a perfect fit um, as a top two-line winger, and um, he's, he's really impressive. He's, you know, fit really well in the locker room. Um, really good guy. I think the Hurricanes are really happy to have him.
2: All right. On that note, Brian, why don't you plug what you do, and, uh, and then we'll send you on your way. And thank you for being on it. Well, we
0: – Yes, of course. We, uh, we're at canescountry.com. Uh, we've got that. We've got the podcast. we got Twitter, at Canes Country, Facebook, you know, all the, all the usual spots. Um, so come come visit us. We're cranking out the content. Uh, with was three weeks to go before the deadline. We kind of know that it's going to be busy. It's been a busy year. Uh, it's been a good year for us, a good year for the team. And um, so the rising tide is kind of lifting all boats in a way. So uh, come visit us, canescountry.com.
2: All right. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon.
0: You bet, guys! Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. As always, bye.
2: Back with our second guest of the day, we have Alex Doherty. He is now of A to Z Sports in Nashville. Alex, welcome back to the show.
4: Thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been a while, but um, I'm glad to be back.
2: You know, you're it's been, it's been a year, like like uh, uh-huh. a popular chain restaurant. When you're here, your family.
4: It has been about a year. When, when did when did you guys steal Cody McLeod from us? Was that about a year ago? Ugh, that's steal? Not funny
3: at all. steal? That's not funny at all. <laughs> Alex, thanks for joining the show, man. Uh, why don't you plug yourself before you get out of here? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that's, I, too, that's too quick. Uh, if you could believe it, um, there is a possibility the New York Rangers are able to flip Cody McLeod for a draft asset ahead of the deadline this year. That is a real that's, story that is being reported on real websites today.
4: That I mean, there's not much better you can do than that. I mean, if you can get anything out of that guy other than uh, you know a bunch of penalty minutes, then that's pretty good.
2: Grit, toughness, and the hey, the guys in the locker room—they love him.
4: Okay, <laughs> oh he's a, yeah, he's a big locker room guy. He's got that jam in the locker room. So
3: they love him. I, uh, Alex, I have a I have a long running theory, and let you you can tell me if I'm off on this one. Um, Ryan and I have talked about this on the pod before with Cody McLeod. I have something called the four inch theory mm, where wow.
2: go deeper, I think, quick.
3: yeah, I think everyone in the Ranger locker room, Henrik Lundqvist, Chris Kreider, these guys just have huge fucking hogs between their legs. And I, I think <laughs> I personally, I personally believe that it's kind of demoralizing how big these guys are. So the Rangers needed a guy who is average to maybe below average. Just to make everyone else feel better about themselves, and I think that's where Cody McLeod has come in.
4: That is an interesting theory, and now I'm thinking about guys in the Predators' locker room who might be in
3: similar situations and similar <laughs>
4: similar ro- similar roster uh, decisions that have been made
3: in the past. Really, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that article on A to Z Sports Nashville coming up next week. <laughs> it really oh, brings perspective to,
2: to some signings. It really does. It's like, hmm, why did the team? Oh, the inch theory. Very interesting. Interesting. Nice
4: job.
2: Right, yeah. no, good job. There you go. All right. Uh, let's, let's go on and talk about uh, some possible trades and possible things, what's going on in Nashville. So the team is good again this year, I'm assuming, as I look at the standings.
4: Well, so here's the thing. I, I, and and I've, been, I've been watching this team since they got here in 1998. And I have seen a lot of bad teams. I've seen a few good teams uh, and a lot of average teams. And I, it's my opinion that this is a good team. Uh, I don't think that you could really take it any other way. They're, they're sitting at second place in the central division, which is a pretty tough division. They're like top 10 in most advanced stats categories, except for a couple ones that, uh, you know, they can probably improve in the power play is terrible, but that's about the, the worst thing about them right now. Um, but to be honest, like the fan base right now, and, and I'm only saying this because I, I think that there's a lot of people that that follow me that are are mad about the team right now. The fan base, the sky is falling according to the fan base right now, if you can believe it. Uh, it the team is eight, four, and two since January 1st. And the team, uh, there's a lot of fans out there that are acting as if they are, they are a sellers at the deadline and that they are trying to pack it in and hope for a draft pick. Uh, so, I think it's a good team. It looks like a good team to me, but uh, a lot of the fans are uh, not really happy about the way the team is performing.
2: Alex, can I just tell you how much I miss those days? I love, I I yearn for the days of wanting to sell when I'm at 60 points already.
4: Oh my gosh. I, I honestly, it feels like here's what, here's what I think has happened. I think there's, there's a large number, not all, but there's a large number of newer fans, who really jumped on board in 2016 and 2017. And I mean, again, there's a lot of fans that have been here since the beginning, but because that they saw the success now that they see the team is not like dominating every night. uh, They are, they are spoiled. And I wish I could take them back to 2002 when this team was, I mean, a joke. I mean, they couldn't win to save their life and, and, and they would have some perspective or, have them be fans of the New York Rangers for a little bit and see what an actual, you know, rebuilding team look, rebuilding team looks like. See, you know, a team that has has all the resources that a team like New York has and uh, and not be able to get it done in a season like this. So I, I, I really, it's really frustrating, but I guess you're right. I should, uh, I should be okay with the way things are going. So.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I would not be complaining if I was a Nashville Predator fan. Plus that it just feels fun going to Nashville games. Whereas, MSG, it feels like if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, it's just going to end horribly for everybody involved. Um, right. But anyway, let's talk about happier times. Uh, <laughs> the, Predator, yeah, I mean, the Predators, when we started talking on Twitter about stuff that's coming into the trade deadline, it didn't necessarily feel like there's a logical match between the Rangers and the Predators because I, I just don't think the Predators are shopping at the Rangers' level, if that makes sense. the The Predators don't feel like – Whereas last year, it, it seemed totally realistic to say the, the Predators would swing big for a Rick Nash or someone of that ilk. This year, it, it, am I wrong to say it feels like the Predators might be shopping a level below Matt Zuccarello? Like Zuccarello even feels like a guy that might be just a smidge too pricey for the Predators. Uh,
4: you're probably right. And and in reality, I think that that is what David Poyle will do. I think he has more want to go after um like a a, some someone to exchange a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick for as opposed to try to unload a bit unload the bank for for getting someone um even if it's just a rental uh like going after someone like zuccarello or kevin hayes or um someone like that so I, i don't but see i i i do think that they are they do need a little bit more than they think they do um the, the the big thing right now with the Predators is size. They need size, and they, they've got speed galore. They've got speed all over the place on defense at forward. They've got skill in places they need it, but they really need a good bit of size because I'm telling you, the Winnipeg Jets are big. I mean, they are big dudes. Patrick Laine is not only a great shooter, but he's a big dude. Uh, Justin Bufflin, big dude. Mark Shifley, big dude. These are big, these are big fast guys. And they need to get some size. I mean, the the, they, the Predators lost to them in the playoffs last year um, in seven games, of course. It was, you know, pretty even series except for that seventh game. Uh, but they know that they need to get a little bit bigger. And so that is, I think, what may be leaning them towards someone like a Kevin Hayes because he would instantly be the biggest forward on the roster. I mean, by far. Yeah,
3: uh, I, got, and... I got some concerning news for you. It sure does sound like the Jets really want Kevin Hayes
4: see that's the other thing is if we get Kevin Hayes then they don't get him
3: (laughs) yeah
2: so I'm not here to start a bidding war but I'm not not here to start one you know what I mean
4: (laughs) right 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 I I mean the that kind of surprises me that the Jets are after him because I I just don't really see that they need they need a little bit more help defensively I think but I you know I don't follow the Jets quite as much so maybe they do need him but uh yeah, it the the predators need to go out for some size, which is why they've been linked to Wayne Simmons, which is why they've been linked to Michael Furland and and uh I think more, more recently Kevin Hayes, but um I, I mean that that is their need. So so I think the Zuccarello thing would be really would re, I think it would be a good match, but I don't know that it fills the need that they have at the deadline, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh
3: no, it does make sense because you're saying the predators need speed, so you're gonna trade for the smallest guy in the NHL. That that uh <laughs> that that seems that seems to have um some logical flaws there. I've seen some Predators fans chirp about Chris Kreider and I I just want to bring him up with you because I think it's important for Predators fans to know that the only scenario where the Rangers trade Kreider is if you overpay. So I do not see a scenario where the Predators would be able to get Kreider without giving up Tolvanen. It doesn't exist.
4: Yeah, I, I think I think that would that if that's the price, then, then it won't happen. Uh, it, um, I think they, they believe too much in the long term future of Tolmanin. Um Here's the thing: they, they they don't have a lot of assets at all. The Predators don't, and that, that's why you know it may be futile coming on here and talking to you guys about trading with the Rangers because I, I they, they might you're right they might be they might lose a bidding war pretty early on. Um, they have a first round pick. They have who i don't think they're going to give up and they have dante Fabro, who is currently at boston university and you never know what's going to happen with these guys he's a junior in college so he could he could uh you know <laughs> we've we've seen what happened with jimmy veezy so uh, predators i know the predators organization got burned there um and and, and also i don't know if that's really any need for the for the rangers if they would even go for a, a sort of a, a future top four defenseman that could be a project well. so
3: you just, I mean, you said the most important part of that sentence was Dante Frabo is a junior at Boston University. Who knows Dante Fabro better than former Boston University head coach David Quinn?
2: Not a connected out, guy, but just saying.
4: Hey, there you go. I, think, I, I did not, I did make that connection, but that's a good point.
3: Yeah, I think, I think that's, if, if there's a reason why the Rangers and Predators are talking ahead of the deadline, and we've, we've talked about this with the Avalanche and Shane Bowers, um, there's a Boston University connection and Fabro's a very good prospect. If there's a, if there's a trade where the Rangers can give up an asset to get Fabro back, I think they'd do it.
4: Right, and, and uh, you know David Poyle has been, uh, like I mentioned, he he was he was burned by Jimmy VZ. He's been he came close with a couple other guys, like Craig Smith, for example. But um, I think the thing with Fabro is he doesn't know. I mean, what what the assumption is is that Fabro is sitting there thinking. Well, I'm not going to crack the top four in Nashville as long as those four are there. Which, to be honest, I don't know is necessarily true. But he would definitely crack crack the bottom pairing. He would play almost instantly because Matt Irwin is terrible. And but but I think he would probably he probably would see his future at New York a little bit differently. I mean, that you guys have some some pretty good pretty good players on the top four, but I don't know is he better than a Brendan Smith? I don't know. Do,
3: yeah, do, do we, we have hold on. good players in nah, the top four? Not really, though. <laughs> We have we have Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk, and that's about it. Right, right. So he's probably better than uh, than
4: whoever else is there. Adam McQuaid is he still is he still playing in, still, in New York? Still,
3: sadly, for, here. Yes, for now, for now, he'll he'll be in Toronto sooner or later. Right. Okay.
4: But uh, no, I, yeah, Dante Frabro might be more intriguing for the Rangers. Uh, but you know, I, I, could the price be there for for Nashville? I think it would have to be a first. And, and Fabro for someone, I think that's just too much. It's, they're not going to get what they want. That's probably just too much. I, the, for for Nashville's perspective.
3: I got you. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think the Rangers would be thrilled to get someone like Fabro back for Zuccarello, and Zuccarello's game is trending way, way upward. So I could see that. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I don't. If I'm the Predators, I, I understand the mindset of shopping for Hayes in order to prevent him from going to the Jets. I also just yes. don't know if – all the Jets have to do is offer Veselainen, and I think Faze is there tomorrow. Oh, wow.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's probably true. So uh, you mentioned Chris Kreider. Uh, pardon my ignorance. I mean, I, is, he, is he pretty much playing center these days? Is he oh, pretty no, much playing down the middle?
3: He's a wing. Uh, he's been – Oh, okay, okay. He's been tied to Zibanejad all all year, and he's okay, – Zibanejad okay. and Kreider – of all the shit that has happened with the New York Rangers this year, the the breakouts of Kreider and Jet at this point in their careers, it some of the best stuff that's happened for them this year. Gotcha. Okay.
4: So it, yeah, in, in that in that case, they they might they might lean towards that more. But I I, I still think that Kevin Hayes would be the biggest target. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know what they're getting with that guy because I mean, is he, he going to get a pay raise from five million, or is he going to get one hundred
3: percent? He's. Okay. I, I don't see a scenario where he's getting less than six and a half this summer.
4: I just don't know if they if they're going to Here's the thing with David Poyle. he's not going to want to trade if he doesn't know he can sign the guy. And if he thinks that he can sign the guy, then that's fine, but I just don't know if he if he has the, the capital to move around to pay a guy like Kevin Hayes 6 million. I mean, he's already got three 6 million dollar players 6 million dollar forwards on on the roster and and uh having adding a fourth would really start to squeeze things when you consider the blue line and paying Pecorino 7 million. So, uh yeah, that would be that would be kind of tough, I don't know. How many how many years are left on Nick Benino's contract? Yeah, Nick Benino is. You know he's he's looked better. He has been better this year, but he's looked better because he's shooting like twenty one percent.
3: So right,
4: uh, I think that's probably
3: why. But is, the, <laughs> is it too- is it only one more year on that deal though? Because I do wonder. Oh no, oh no, he's got two more after this. Oh geez. Oh uh, never, never mind. Well- Take that back. Yeah, because if there was one year left on that deal, I could have seen a scenario where the Rangers also take back Benino, and then the Rangers do the Ranger thing where they they eat some of that salary and they try to trade him again this off season. But I, I okay, think it's, hard, it's hard to see that happening if he's got multiple years left on that deal. So that see, when I was looking that, at I, it, I I, a I, in butt.
4: When I was looking, I see I I just glanced at at cap friendly uh, before we came on and. The Rangers don't have a lot of cap, but I didn't think they were in a position to absorb cap in this situation. But
3: well, you got to remember, if you if by trading Hayes, that's five and a half that you're opening up immediately. So sure. Okay. Right. For for the moment, it's Benino for Hayes, and the Rangers actually save money. After this year, yeah. the Rangers they don't have a ton of money invested anywhere. They're paying Zibanejad. They'll have one more year of Kreider. They're stuck with Mark Stahl. They'll have two more years of Shattenkirk. After that, we're talking about RFA's, UFA's, and bottom six wingers who are making less than three million. Right, right, so right. The, so, the cap so for them the explodes other, next year. The other
4: possible solution here, and this this could make things more interesting, more interesting than Nick Benino, and to to sweeten the pot for a deal uh, to get someone like Zuccarello or, or Hayes. What about a Kevin Fiala? I mean, th- there has been there has been talk of the Predators shopping Kevin Fiala in, in some sort of a deal in order to get bigger. Fiala's a guy that's, he's, he's definitely got some speed. He's got a lot of playmaking ability. People are very high on his future. He's an RFA in, uh, this coming summer, so they've got to pay him. But he's a guy that I, I think has a chance to, if they're going to trade any current uh, guy on the 23-man roster right now that has value, that and not just in a salary dump like what you were mentioning with with Benino, it might be someone like Kevin Fiala, because I think he's a pretty attractive prospect for the future. If the Predators think, okay, this is our year, we're going to go get Zuccarello, or we're going to get Kevin Hayes, and we're going to get what we need to beat the Jets in the second round. So,
3: Just something to think about. I I don't think any Ranger. if the Rangers walk away from a deal with the Predators, regardless, as long as it's not, say, Chris Kreider being sent the other way. If the Rangers walk away in that deal with a draft pick and one of Fiala or Fabro, that's good business. I, I don't think anyone would yeah. have a problem with that. The real question would, again, come down to, does that deal make the Predators, in your mind, significantly better where that's a the deal they make? Do you, in your head, is it, is, are the Predators just at a crossroad with Fiala? Is it something where if he doesn't get moved for a piece they need now, he might just get moved in the summer anyway for financial reasons?
4: Uh, so I, I don't think it's about financial reasons in the future. I think he's someone that they could probably squeeze into the payroll, but uh, here's the thing. He is, he is that guy that, uh, I mean, he had a career season last year. I mean, he had 48 points in 20, 23 goal scorer, And he's started slow this year, but all, he's one of those guys that just all of the underlying numbers are fantastic. And he's got all of these things going well. He hasn't shot. He hasn't shot too well. He's only 22 years old though. So the, the Predators are not usually the kind of team to dump a guy early. They're not, you know, <laughs> they're not Edmonton or they're not uh, uh, any number of teams that, that like to ship off guys when they don't produce immediately in the league. Um, and so I, I think that they'll probably wait on a Fiala unless it's unless it's the right deal. If they can like, if, for example, I know we're not talking about Ottawa, but like someone like a Matt Duchesne or a Mark Stone they're going to probably dump someone like Kevin Fiala. Will they do that for someone like Kevin Hayes? I don't know that they would because I don't know that they would agree that the exchange of those two players would make them better. So um, it would have to be a pretty, pretty fantastic deal to dump on them. I I threw it out there because I was thinking, you know, if, if it comes down to they don't want to give up on any of their prospects, that's the only guy on the roster I could see them saying, we can give up this guy if it makes us good now, but they still don't really sacrifice too much of the future. Because they still have guys like Tolman and Fabro in the pipeline and all the draft picks, so
3: very interesting. Uh, yeah, it just to me it feels like the Predators and Ryan. I don't know if you agree or disagree. It has always felt like the Predators aren't the team that's going to shop for the shiny toys. They felt so like the a depth move team.
4: Yeah, right, right. Well, so their only move last year or their their biggest move last year was getting Brian Hartman from the from the Blackhawks, and that cost them a fir- because they waited to the last minute uh, on, on deadline day, they, it cost them a first round pick and one of, one of their prospects who I was pretty high on Victor Edsel. Uh, so that was for Ryan Hartman, a guy who can play anywhere, but he's not going to be anything more than like a 20 goal scorer in 13 minutes a night or something like that. So he's, he's not like an, an outstanding, you know, future goal scorer like Kevin Fiala is. So, uh, if they can get someone like a Kevin Hayes, who's got that size they need, and then also can, can definitely produce a lot more than a Ryan Hartman are gonna have to put up something. And it, it seems to be a buyer's market out there. So I don't know. I, they, they are probably gonna get priced out of something like that. But, you know, a guy can dream, right?
3: <laughs> well, Alex, I appreciate it works you coming on because I would love. Oh, sorry, Greg, go on. I was just gonna say it works both ways. I don't know a Ranger fan that'd be angry about getting Kevin Fiala.
4: Yeah, right, right, right.
3: Oh, let me just recap uh, what,
2: I, what I learned real quick. Uh, we're not trading. <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think we have not come to a deal at all. And we've just agreed to just wave at each other as our ships pass in the night and, and, uh, and not, not do any deals.
2: That works for me. You know what? We tried though. We, you came on, we debated like men and now we've, we've come to it. <laughs> listen, be at the jets. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's going to be.
4: Yeah. That's going to be disappointing to watch happen, but it, it, if that, if that happens and the, and yeah, that's, that's going to, that's going to be rough, especially when you consider the, that It's so clear what the Predators need, and, and they just don't. Uh, by the way, the, the other thing about Duke really – I think I read it somewhere that he would be kind of an instant help on the power play. He plays on the power play, right? Like, Yeah, like
3: he's he's Duke basically the – he's not the quarterback because he doesn't play at the top of the blue line, but he just knows where to make passes across the ice to find the open man. Right, right.
4: Well, the the Predators power play is the worst thing that I've ever seen in hockey. And I saw David Legwan, I saw David Legwan play first line center for many, many seasons. So uh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. They're dead last and they don't even look that good. Like they look like they should be relegated in terms of the power play. Uh, It's, it's absolutely pitiful. They're 12% right now in terms of the power play. I mean, you can That's You can chuck Cody, you can chuck Cody McLeod out there and get thirteen percent. And for the low low
2: price of a fifth round pick, right now he could be all yours, Cody McLeod, today. <laughs>
3: okay. Um, uh, yeah, if you want him back, man, by all means, we'll we'll wrap him nice for you. It's been a long show,
2: Alex. I appreciate you coming on and telling us that we're not going to trade. Why don't you go ahead and plug all your stuff?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. So
4: I, uh, I'm writing for A to Z Sports Nashville. We're a local media um, outlet in Nashville covering. Predators, Titans, all, Tennessee balls all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just recently wrote a story on Jordan Tutu, uh, all-time favorite Predator for a lot of fans in Nashville. I just wrote a story on that uh, about him sort of taking the Predators to where they are right now. So uh, you can check that out on our website, a to z Just
2: type in Jordan Nashville a to z sports. I'm sure you'll find that two 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 two. There you go. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Happy trade deadline or whatever. All right. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Right now. After two lengthy interviews with two teams we may not trade with, Greg, we're back.
3: I think there's a real chance we trade with Carolina. Nashville's just Nashville's always just there.
2: Well, I love but I love having both those guys on. It's just like
3: yeah, it, I it's a, it's the deadline. We don't know. Here, here's the thing: Did we really think the Rangers were gonna? Trade, I, I remember... Honestly. I was
2: in a hotel bed refreshing my Twitter feed like, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to happen. Oh my God. So,
3: yeah. With yeah, you. I just, I don't know. Trades, they're weird. They they happen whenever the fuck they happen. We're just trying to figure out where the fuck they fit. And seriously, outside of Winnipeg and Kevin Hayes, I, I'm yet to see one where I'm like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
2: So, uh in our bonus little nonsense, real quick, we're going to talk about the NBA trade this week, sending Chris Asperzingas to the Dallas Mavericks uh and of course we're gonna have our friends the nicks wall oh no we're not we're not gonna have them on because i've never been on their podcast again assholes hope they hear that and then um
3: <laughs> sorry we'll have it we're having them on at some point that's a summer podcast uh, sure though. i'm just pissed I, I, i'm still first. i'm
2: still a little salty is all i'm asking um you salty
3: yeah. holding a grudge over something you shouldn't hold a grudge over that doesn't sound like it doesn't
2: you. sound like you either interesting uh and then uh <laughs> on our bonus podcast For our Patreon subscribers, we're going to talk all things Super Bowl today. But let's get to the Porzingis trade. The Knicks salary dumped Chris as Porzingis, but also got a first-round pick that's unprotected, which is sort of a rarity these days, isn't it?
3: Yeah, but the problem with that, here's here's the thing, and I I feel like, yes, having additional first-round picks is always valuable. And yes, anything could happen in the NBA where maybe the Dallas Mavericks aren't good in 2021. But if they have a healthy Porzingis and Luka Doncic, and if they have their first-round pick this year, which I don't think they will. They will not cause cause it's going true. To the
2: Hawks. It is a Trey Young pick, yes. Uh
3: yeah, I just I don't know. Let I don't me, know let, how let, valuable let, that pick's gonna be. If that picks if that pick's number twenty-five, does it really have that much value? No. Let me jump out ahead of you here. here.
2: Um the also Chris Esperzingis uh, had a radio interview today with Mark Cuban on one oh five something or other in Dallas. And uh, Mark Cuban pretty much said we want to keep Chris Asperzingis here for the next twenty years. And Christopher Spurzingis said he would sign the ex- max extension with them, not the qualifying offer. So that makes me believe I mean, that... a few things. Let's start well, yeah. Let's start going ahead and being conspiracy people, shall we? If yeah, That's you, what we do best. If you're the Knicks, and you are mm-hmm. the Knicks, you do not do this unless you had some inside information. There must be some information. Unless you're a total, 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 I mean, you know what I'm about to say, right? Like, misrun franchise. Which, you know, the Knicks may be. You don't just salary dump Chris Porzingis, But, and this also makes me feel weird. Chris well, Porzingis right, well, hold on, hold on. said he would only sign the qualifying offer with Dallas while he was still with New York. And as soon as the trade was over, now all of a sudden he'll sign the max extension. Which makes me think Chris Porzingis' agent also had some heads up on what was going on inside the Knicks organization. So, that all leads me to the obvious thing. The Knicks want Kevin Durant, and they want Kyrie Irving, and they believe they're going to get both of them next year. And if that does happen, the Knicks will be like the other than the Warriors, like the go-to event of the NBA season every single night.
3: There you go. Yeah, I don't know. I yes, the the Knicks. The the thing you're you're missing here is, or the thing that you haven't mentioned is, the draft picks are great. Dennis Smith Jr. I'm still a fan of him, and I like that he's on the Knicks because I think he's a fun player. Sure. Uh the the, the real story is that the Knicks now have. Seventy-four million dollars in cap space, which means they're the only team in the NBA who can offer two max contracts this off season. And we've heard the Durant rumors forever. Kyrie Irving, one week he wants to stay in Boston for life. The next week he says, "Fuck Boston." Well,
2: he says, I don't, "I don't, that, I don't he- owe
3: anybody shit." Right. So it, Kyrie Irving, God knows what. Yeah. If you're the Knicks, I'm okay trading Kristaps Porzingis basically for. Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. You make that deal. Uh, the the Chris Stapp's angle of I'm only signing the qualifying offer to I'm signing a max extension if they offer me one, that feels more like a, a weekend with Porzingis For the longest time, no, Porzingis for the longest time said he's good to go, he's good to play, his knee's fine. And he made it sound like, or the media made it sound like, The Knicks were holding him out because even though he's healthy, they just didn't want him playing because they didn't want to ruin their chances at the number one overall pick. And yeah, that that does make some sense. But now he goes to the Mavericks, a team that is clearly still trying to go for it this year because again, they don't, don't unless they're one of the five worst teams in the NBA, which they're not, and they're not going to be, they don't have a first round pick this year. So it doesn't behoove them to tank. Uh, If, the Mavericks are saying Porzingis can't go this year. I'm starting to think there's something truly fucked up with Porzingis's knee. So yeah, if the Mavericks offer him a max extension and there's something fucked up with your knee, Porzingis, take the fucking money. Because a qualifying offer ain't going to do you shit if you just get hurt again. No, especially when it's like $6 so million. I, I, when, when you tell me he's changed his mind from qualifying offer to max extension, the only thing that's really changed isn't He's gotten to know Mark Cuban better in the next week. It's that another team set of doctors have said, bro, you can't play basketball this year. That to me, conspiracy theory, Greg says that is less about him knowing the writing on the wall in New York and more about the fact that this is a whole new group of doctors saying, yo, your knee is super fucked up. You're not playing basketball this year. So I, Look, it, it, it's I, I am bummed that Kristaps Przingis is not a New York Knick. It it sure didn't make a whole lot of sense for me to trade a star for the hope of signing two more stars because, you know, what 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 is it? A, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush? That's, that's the definition of that situation. If the Knicks get Kyrie, NKD, and a top three draft pick, then this deal will be fine, and we'll remember it as a necessary evil, a means to an end. However... We're talking about the New York Knicks. There's nothing set in stone. It's impossible unless they have broken every NBA rule and have a secret deal in place with Kevin Durant. There is no, a there's, there's no a such thing as tampering
2: rules in the NBA, dude. It's it's a fucking joke. That,
3: that's fine, but there's still a possibility where the Knicks get the third pick and take RJ Barrett and then get fucking Tobias Harris and DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, that's like a, if if that's the three the Knicks a nightmare. get. Nightmare. Yeah, they. Here's the, the here's what the Knicks did. They've created a situation where they can get two stars, but they've also created a, sta- a situation where if they don't get at least two stars, they fuck themselves. And that's that's a hard that's a hard place to be in. It is. It, 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 that's difficult. I think you can sell as long as you get Durant. I think you can sell the Knicks fan base on whoever the second piece is. I don't think you get Durant unless I, I you get Kyrie
2: too. But that's just me.
3: You might get Durant just because I, I don't Durant's a weird dude, man. Like I, he just might really want to be in New York and be playing at MSG and be the guy that turns that team around, like Melo was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but I think you can sell you can sell the Nick fan base on the second banana being like DeMarcus Marcus Cousins Chris or Middleton. Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton. You can you, but if you get the first banana, you can sell the second banana as whatever the fuck you want to sell the second banana as. But if you don't get the first banana and you've traded Porzingis, oh, and you decided to tank the one year where being the worst team in the NBA doesn't have a, a statistical advantage in the lottery, it, that's I can't think of anything more Knicks than that, That's a bad quite one, honestly. personal opinion.
2: All right, let's get out of here. Uh, it's been a long pod. Follow us on Twitter at o That's me and Greg at, at Blue Shirts Break. He's the one that actually tweets and follow him. Uh, and that's it. We'll see you guys next week with more New York Rangers Talks next week on Blue Shirts Breakaway. Goodbye.